Welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We are glad to be back together once again. Got the gang together, and we're glad that you're listening. <laughs> Today we pick up the Gospel of John again in our message series, and uh, we get to see some some interesting interactions with Jesus and the people. So jumping right in, guys. What is or have you ever had a friend or family member doubt your ability? <laughs> You know, it's good when she's giggling before we even start. <laughs> well, it just makes me think that they're not wrong, usually. <laughs> what do you mean? Like <laughs> They always believe in Michelle. Their no, doubt is founded. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I, so try to, I try to keep you doubting so that when, when I perform, it's like, huh. Didn't know she had a dinner. <laughs> keep the bar low. <laughs> yeah, keep the bar low. That that is a I'm just kidding. So but I you think... you answer, and I'll see if I, if I think of something. Well, I think... I think Ashley almost never doubts me, and my children often do. <laughs> like, I feel like kids keep you humble, and the older they get, the more, you know, like as we enter into teenage years, I feel like there's there's more doubt, like mostly about in my ability to be cool <laughs> and to be around in ways that, you know, I don't know. But I do have a very specific example of a time that Ashley doubted me, even though she's my biggest cheerleader. Uh, you know, I mean, she's, she's pretty dedicated historically to fitness and I have not been so dedicated historically to fitness. And at this point you were not. Oh no, I was far from it. And, uh, she doubted that I could beat her in a foot race and I had no <laughs> doubt that I would win. I was there when this so, happened. Where were you? So I was like, let's what go outside you? right now. Who <laughs> did you believe in though, Michelle? <laughs> yeah. Who did you believe in? I actually did believe in Randy because what he said was, that he could sprint a short distance faster than she could. If it was about distance, she could go for hours past. Him. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I, but I've seen him leg wrestle, so. Yeah. So if you don't know what leg wrestling is, come see me on a Sunday. It requires. <laughs> we will do this. Hamstrings. We will throw down in the foyer. Um, so so I, anyway, long I call story short, on the street. we go out to the streets in my neighborhood. <laughs> And we have a designated finish line, and there is a foot race. <laughs> and not only did I beat her, I beat her so soundly that uh, it was phenomenal. Oh, I think were I your kids outside watching? Still. Oh, neighbors came out to see it. Like there was chariots of fire playing in the background. <laughs> there was video. There is video evidence I that I beat her. I have the video somewhere. So soundly, but yeah. I could probably. I beat find. her so bad, I left her laughing in my dust. That's part of it. You beat her worse than maybe you would have because she stopped for laughing. She was laughing at how bad she was. I know, but you were, well, you also <laughs> stride. Your form. Randy. It was form. Hey, that may be part of my strategy. You're very serious. Well, I intended to win. What's yours, Joseph? Um, I, I think, uh, I, know, I was trying to think through this. I think often when I meet people or have friends, uh, and this is maybe not doubting my ability, but they ask, you know, growing up, what sports did you play or what did you do? And I'm like, well, I played a lot of things. I played tennis most of my life. I also played ice hockey growing up as a kid. <laughs> I and am surprised. Everybody <laughs> is always like, there is no way. Now, this, what is this little Mexican boy from Corpus Christi, Texas, doing on ice, on skates? <laughs> uh, who even knew that there was ice hockey in Corpus Christi, Texas? How do Texas? they keep, yeah. I, I don't, yeah, it's a miracle, I guess. Uh, technology. No, uh, I mean, I understand how an ice ring works, <laughs> but who just, who'd have thought? Yeah. No, I played the first year they brought it to, to Corpus Did Christi. you ever get any fights? You weren't allowed to. What? That is yeah. the whole point of hockey. <laughs> it's, it's ice wrestling. <laughs> well, With a what puck. would happen yeah. if you did? 
you ejected. Ejected immediately. Like completely out of the game. Did you ever yeah, get ejected? Parents would boo you. Like, I don't doubt that you got ejected. I don't doubt your ability to get ejected. I'm a, I'm a peacemaker, Andy. I only get upset when people pick on David. You're a competitor. <laughs> You're a so competitor. Okay, so that's one way to think of it. Like what has surprised people about sure. me, maybe? Um, so that makes me think of basketball. I think that sometimes people are surprised and this is obviously not still true, but I was very mean when I played basketball. Aggressive. <laughs> Aggressive. Bose, man. She um, was always slinging the elbows. remember no fear t-shirts? I had one that said no blood, no foul. Well, and you, I meant it. Your strategy was <laughs> you get five fouls, use them, right? Oh yeah. I would foul out of most games. <laughs> right. <laughs> Also, I'm a really good belly flopper, Since but I don't know if that's surprising no or not. No one doubts that. No one has ever doubted that. I would be surprised. I'm so a, since really this turned sports related, I mean, I guess I did already talk about my athletic ability in running, but uh, everyone doubted my ability to hit the ball in baseball. <laughs> but you also you, you <laughs> met expectations. It. I proved it. Forty-one years in, I still you haven't hit a ball. Keep the bar low, man. Keep the bar low. Uh, well, the reason we're talking about family members and friends doubting your ability is because as we continue to follow Jesus, we see that people begin to doubt that he is who he is, he's claiming to be, and even his own family. So, uh, you know, as you pick up in, in John chapter 7, we see that even his own brothers seem to challenge him uh, and his own claims. And so my first question to you guys is, as we read that text, what exactly are they questioning Jesus and what exactly are they saying in, in their conversation? I think what's interesting is, is it, it makes it clear, right, that they did not believe in him in, in verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. But it's also, like, clear at the same time that they recognize his power. Yeah, because like, they're like, show. Go do show it. Yeah, do it. Go do it. And so uh, even though it's clear that they did not believe, it's also clear to me, too, that there's kind of this this mixture, both and. And I think that's important for us to understand that in, in some aspects, belief is black and white. But in some aspects, I think it's a little bit gray, too. And I think they have to be somewhat in the gray area because they know of his power and abilities. I think probably what they don't believe at this point is, is his, his identity as Messiah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that, you know, goes back to conversations we've had before about accepting Jesus as your savior and redeemer versus letting him be Lord of your life and letting him be the boss of your life. You know, they're like, he can heal people, but I don't know if I'm going to listen to everything he says because I don't know that I'm convinced he's the Messiah yet. Well, and also I think too, it just exposes them um, questioning Jesus's methods. They're like, dude, if you want to be a public figure, yeah, go public. Like, mm-hmm. Why are you being so secretive? And Jesus is like, my time is not yet come. My time is not yet come. My time is not yet come. It's like, he's, you know, that's a consistent theme. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, we can make you go viral. <laughs> right. That's it. They're like, we will be your manager. Like, this is going to be easy if yeah. you'll just let us. We can, this is YouTube gold, Jesus. One of my study Bibles um, in the notes about this passage actually talked about how his brothers were possibly probably even embarrassed by him at some points because some of the things he said and did were so radical and like you know he's he's gaining followers but he's also gaining enemies at this point and so I think sometimes there is probably some fear associated Mm. with that disbelief you can see in some of the other gospel accounts too that his family, there are moments where his family is embarrassed of him in some ways. They come and say, 
oh, they tell him, hey, your your brother's over there saying these things, and they come and say, oh, he's out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Like, don't yeah. mind him. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really interesting. People were saying that about the foot race. They're like, he's out of his mind. <laughs> Look at him. He's out of it. There's no way he beats her. Look at her. Look at him. Look at her. Look at him. Have you heard his stats <laughs> in baseball? <laughs> Ball, but he can run the bases. That's, what That's all he did. Now. The bases are basically four sprints. <laughs> the bases, That's my the jam. bases didn't move, guys. <laughs> what did Callie say one time about you being not good at sports? <laughs> Something. See, I told you, my kids. She only said it to you, Michael. My, <laughs> no. my kids doubt me. Said it on the playground. <laughs> my kids doubt me. Oh, it's so sad because my kids think. I'm perfect. They'll be, they'll and be teenagers it's someday. No, it's oh, yeah. coming. Yeah, they'll be sure. teenagers someday. But I'm like, oh. Yeah. They actually are your biggest fans. Joseph's kids? Right. <laughs> Joseph's kids love you. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting about this this interaction with Jesus is he tells them, it's not my time. It's not my time. Uh, and we kind of see why, because as people begin to learn more, they uh, they, they, they change their, their stance. Uh, but it says here in verse 10, however, after his brothers had left for the festival, he also went, not publicly, but in secret. And so my question is, why does Jesus still attend the festival in secret? I think what's going on is that John, the gospel writer, wants us to feel the the tension that's going on here. Because as Jesus' popularity and notoriety and, you know, fame begins to grow, so does the controversy. And it's it's becoming more and more divisive. And so this whole chapter has the theme of people want to kill him. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of reflecting a turn in John's gospel where we begin to see uh, the evidence for the ultimate crucifixion beginning to build. And so there's this real sense of tension that I think John wants us to feel at this point. As Jesus' ministry is becoming more public, the division is becoming more uh, deep and the controversy is becoming greater. Um, you know, it's the people did want to kill Jesus and they were beginning to plot and these are precursors to the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wants you to see that Jesus did intend to go, but he needed to go in secret because his time had not yet come. Yeah, he's going to the cross, but not this day. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting that he still went. My time has not yet come. Jesus knew exactly what was coming. <laughs> well, he had when... work to do, and, and, and he goes to the festival ultimately to teach in public. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of bizarre well, things going on. It makes me think of the question of what will most further advance the kingdom? What will most further advance the gospel? And so, like, his brothers at the time, they're like, dude, like, we can make you famous. Like, if you will just show out, like... Walk through the front we'll door. everybody, you know? But Jesus knew what the timing needed to be and how it needed to happen so that, you know, the gospel could just be the most advanced. And I don't think we always understand necessarily how that works or what that looks like, but it even makes me think of... Like missionaries on the field, like talking about Mm -hmm. um, people that are in closed places. Like, you know, we interviewed our missionary in Southeast Asia a couple of weeks ago, and they have to be pretty secretive because if they're not secretive, they get kicked out of the country. I can't just walk into the the festival of booths. Exactly. (laughs) And if they get kicked out of the country, then there's nobody there to continue to try to further the gospel there other than the small number of believers that there are now but you know they have to be secretive that's a great illustration 
Well, it's it's clear here um, in your message, Randy, you said that uh, Jesus is a sin exposer. When people encounter Jesus, he exposes their sins and, and their true selves. And uh, there are only two options when someone encounters him. And so my question are, what are our options when we encounter Jesus? I know what I, I want my reaction to be. Um, I don't know that this is what it is, but in my heart, like in this moment, I want it to be thank you. You know, like ultimately I, I want the spirit to do the work of exposing sin and eradicating sin in me and shifting and turning my affections away from my loves of sin into a repentance and into a love of Jesus. Um, so I, that's what I want. I want my reaction, my response to Jesus exposing my sin to be thank you and now, you know, lead me out of this. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah, I think the you said we have two options, and in the message over and over again, we hear you can accept or reject, accept or reject. And so once you have your sin exposed to you, you can choose to repent and ask Jesus to help you do that, or you can choose to reject that, you know, that the sin is something that needs to stop even after it's been exposed. And like Randy said, like we should be thankful because he's, like that's that's for our good, right? Mm-hmm. That's out of love when he yeah. exposes our sins, but that doesn't make it easy. <laughs> no, and, and that's what I say. I want it to I want my reflex yeah. to be thank you, but I don't think that I think often our reflex, my reflex can be uh excuses mm-hmm. or defenses. Mm-hmm. You know, like well but well but yes uh-huh. but but I'm tired, yes but but I've been doing this, yes but you know. And I also, I'll do that, but I also will internalize it and then just start to kind of like feel down about myself and be frustrated with myself, which means then I'm trying to fix it myself. And so like it becomes honestly prideful because I think that I'm the one that can fix this on my own. And like I start to put my own feelings and what I need to do above what Jesus is saying of bring it to me, let me help you. Yeah, and you're, and, and you're saying that's motivated by a sense of shame yes. as well as pride. Yeah. And and obviously those things are, are not. And b- what I look like to Jesus, but also other people. Sure. Well, I, I like that you said in your message that we really only have two options, accept him or reject him. And one of the things I was thinking about is rejecting him looks different for different people. Um, people outright reject him and say, I will, I'm not a part of this. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. But I think there are some other ways that people reject the true Jesus. And I think one of the ways is we begin to change in our, our minds and our hearts who we think Jesus really is. Maybe he didn't really mean that or say that. And and we kind of recreate Jesus and pick and choose Jesus is kind of what we say. Or even maybe he meant that back then, but that's not what it means now. Yeah. So my, my question then is, in what ways do people make Jesus in their own image? Well, I think you actually, I think you made the perfect transition on that because I think a lot of times it is connected to whether or not our sin is sin. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, no, I want a Jesus that doesn't think this or that is sin mm-hmm. or a Jesus that excuses this or that in me or in those around me. Yeah. You know, and so connecting it to that, I, I think that is a way is what is and is not truth in regards to the things that mm-hmm. Jesus said. I think the biggest, broadest way that I, I would categorize this is I think that people often want to go one one way or the other. They want to make Jesus this mamby-pamby 
uh, you know, uh, is Mamby Pamby, <laughs> can you say that in 2022? I don't right. think anybody knows exactly what it means. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with it. They want to make Jesus this Gibber, big old softy, right? That's just, you know, love boat or this, this aggressive, <laughs> you know, hammer, you know, heart and hammer kind of thing. Um, and not recognize the reality that, that Jesus is both. He is both grace and truth always. And and I think the tendency is to, to try to adopt this Jesus that's just one or the other. And that, that to me, exposes a clear lack of understanding of the Gospels. Yeah. And I think that that plays out in how we approach and treat others too. Like I think that sometimes we can fall into a tendency of going grace without truth and wanting, wanting to accept everything and anything and not speak to what the Bible says about things. And then I think there's also a tendency for us to go all truth and no grace and kind of hammer. The Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. And instead of trying to, come along some alongside somebody and love them through something we just want them to know that what what they're doing is wrong well and i think that that's my hope in this whole conversation is that the the mamby pamby jesus the idea is no he would never expose someone's sins he would just gently lovingly look into right. someone's eyes and say i love you just the way that you uh, are yeah. it's like no the real jesus is a sin exposer and in verse 7 of chapter 7 he says i have come to testify that the world's works are evil and he's saying, I am here to say, to call sin, sin, and to call people out of their sin, expose the bad news so that they will understand their need for the good news. And that's because of love. Because of love. I think it's important to remember, too, people have always done this. Uh, we do this. <clears throat> we say we want Jesus to look or be like this. But even the people here, um, we see that they are in to follow Jesus until he says something or does something they don't agree with. And they're like, oh, hey, I'm not in for that. And then they walk away or the people who welcome Jesus into Jerusalem at the end of his life, calling him Hosanna. And yet he comes and does something they're not expecting. They want a certain type of Messiah. And when he's not that, they're out. Well, and I think people want Jesus to be a sin exposer, just not my sins. Mm. You know, like I hope he exposes We're yours coming, and theirs yeah. and that one, but not mine we'll and this one. <laughs> we'll yeah. come back to that. Okay. What's the world coming to? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we continue reading, we see that Jesus, uh, he's teaching, and then he has a group of religious leaders come up to him, and they begin to question him, and he exposes their hypocrisy uh, further into to chapter 7. So how? what exactly is Jesus exposing in them, and how is he saying that they are being hypocritical? I think these are actually kind of some tricky verses. There's a couple of things going on here. What he's saying to them is, um, you know, basically that you say the, the law of Moses and yet you break the law of Moses. And what's going on behind that is he knows they want to kill him <laughs> and killing him would break the law of Moses, like mm -hmm. the big ones, the 10 big ones, right? <laughs> One of the big ones. And so that's what, he's, that's what he's saying here. Like he's like, in your desire to kill me, you would be breaking the law that you say you keep. So clearly mm -hmm. you are a hypocrite. But then there's also the, the little bit more clearer piece in this where he's talking about, you know, you are mad at me for healing on the Sabbath. You circumcise on the Sabbath. If you're fixing that, can't I fix this? <laughs> <laughs> fixing. <laughs> fixing. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why 
we call it that? I mean, I don't. In, I didn't mean to communicate <laughs> that the uncircumcised are not fixed. Right, 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 right. Let's move along, Joseph. <laughs> well, I think I think it's uh, it's clear he's he's exposing hypocrisy in them. They're trying to trap him, and they, he's telling them, you were being hypocritical, which leads me to the next question: Are you naturally a rule follower or a rule breaker? And then, have you ever been so caught up with rules and regulations that you missed the reason for the rules? I think I'm a weird mix of both. If I had to pick, I'd go more rule breaker. Um, like I say often, hey, we're the ones that make the rules, so we get to change them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I also think I see some things as ish that other people see as, as black and white. Um, but at the same time, like I, I got some rule following tendencies in me. I definitely went through a, a Pharisee self righteous phase in my, you know, teenage and, and early twenty years. I guess I'm a mix too. Like I mean, I just told y'all I've fouled out of most basketball games, so obviously <laughs> I thought those rules were made to be broken. Um, but five I think, times, yeah, five times. <laughs> That's how many you get. More than hockey for Joseph. Um, but I. I can remember distinctly when I was a children's minister in my mid-20s that I switched to being a rule follower because I was now the one having to create rules. And I knew that every single one of those rules had a story behind it, that there was a reason for that rule. And I would try not to create rules that just shotgunned things instead of calling out specific problems. But it gave me a newfound respect for (laughs) rules, I guess. Um, But that being said, now that I'm married to Jeff, I realize that I am not nearly the rule follower that he is. Um, I think I've probably told y'all before, like he will follow the recipe to a T. So if it says to cook the chicken for four minutes on medium high heat, he will do that. Even if it starts to smoke and turn black. <laughs> he told me the other day, I'm learning to follow. What is it? The, the letter, the intent of the law, not the letter. Yeah. Well, and also thing. since when are recipes laws, <laughs> they're well, suggestions. That's how much of a rule <laughs> like speed limits are suggestions recipes are suggestions directions I guess. <laughs> is that what you tell the cop when you get pulled yes. over like don't i mean i'm assuming y'all operate the same way i do that the speed limit you know there's a plus five factor oh for sure that's what the cruise control comes on yeah this if it's 75 i i've got up to 80 <laughs> not you uh, yeah sure i just don't think i'm like with I'm like I'm breaking a rule right now. I'm not being like yeah, it's a suggestion. I wouldn't call it a suggestion. <laughs> this is the proof of that. If you get pulled over for going 79 and a 75, you're going to be incensed. I know. I'm just saying exactly. he's giving me grace yeah. when he gives me lets me off. Uh, Maybe I'm a rule breaker. As long as <laughs> Maybe we can't. My rule is as long as someone else is going faster. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but that hacks me off. When that person just flies Gets by, away. yeah, and they're going 95, you know, and you're like, where's the police now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm more of a rule breaker. Uh, I'm married to a rule follower. Uh, but I think about this all the time with my kids. I think sometimes, I, not even like overarching all the time rules, but in a moment, I'm like, hey, don't do this. You shouldn't do this. And my kids will be like, but why? And I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Like right now. Let's break it together. Th- this is, <laughs> this, I've lost the spirit of why. Like, yeah, I wanted to keep you safe or protected, but hmm. let's live a little. Let's, you know. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on Emily being a rule follower. Yeah. That surprises me. Like, 
my mind, Emily yeah. is just a free floating hippie. It surprised hippie. me too. I guess we uh, doubted her abilities to yeah, follow the rules. Yes, sir. <laughs> huh. uh, that's so funny. She'd love to hear that. Does she listen? Uh, <laughs> well, she's that I called her a free floating hippie. <laughs> uh i don't think she listens <laughs> my mom still doesn't <laughs> just either. our moms uh well I, the reason i asked that question is because that's clearly um we see that continually with the religious leaders they s- try to stick so close to the rules or they create additional rules uh, and they miss sight of why god originally gave these um, the sabbath uh all all of these commands they create their own and it becomes oppressive so uh something we said earlier Right, Jesus is a sin exposer. Uh, we like that t- at times when he's exposing other people's sins, but we hate it when it's about ourselves. So my last question is, in what ways do we accuse others of what we excuse in ourselves? I think there's so many directions this could go. Yeah. I think a really easy one would be like, you know, something like sexual sin. Like I look mm-hmm. over that and I say, oh, that's a clear perversion, but I don't recognize the own perversions in my own heart and mm-hmm. mind. Uh, but I want to go a different direction if y'all are good with that. Like I think the things like selfishness. That's mm-hmm. the one I Like was I look over say. and I see their clear selfishness and it's an offense to me. And, yes. and yet I excuse my own selfishness. Or I look over and I see that that expression of pride and it's glaring to me but I overlook my own pride. So mm-hmm. like there's the obvious ones like the sexual sins, but what about the less obvious ones? Yeah, the, the attitudes, I guess. And yeah. self-centeredness is the first one that and... came to me. And I would like to think that rather than make excuses for my own, I don't always realize it, you know, but then probably once I do realize it, I do try to justify it, you know, but that's something that is absolutely a pet peeve of mine. And... I'm guilty of it too, you know, so. And what we talk about in the message on Sunday is the problem with self-righteousness is it squeezes out the space for grace. Because if I don't think I need grace, then I'll see grace as unnecessary and then I won't be grace giving towards others, Mm -hmm. you know. And so that's what this makes me want to do. Like in the same way that I want to have a reflex that says, thank you for exposing my sin. I want the exposure of someone else's sin to then turn around and and make me reflect on my own heart, right? So when I see that selfishness, I want my reflex to be, where is selfishness in me? When I see that demonstration of pride, I want to say, where is pride in me? When I see that sexual perversion, I want to say, where is that sexual perversion Mm -hmm. in me? And yeah, I like how you said that, that your reflex becomes evaluating yourself. And I think I'm getting closer to that being my reflex, but I think I get frustrated first still. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Because we're selfish, prideful, sexual beings. <laughs> <laughs> Can't fix that. Uh, sorry, Mom. Uh, I think what this reminds me of and where it really convicts me, uh, when Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said before, but I say to you something different. And... Everybody was really caught up in actions. Hey, you should not commit adultery. And yet Jesus took it a step further and said, it's actually about your heart. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you even look at somebody lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. And he said, it's, it's more than just the act. It's, it's the condition of your heart. And so I think when I look at other people, I, I see pride. I see selfishness. I see attitude. I see all these things. And I'm really just saying, like, I do a better job of hiding it. Yeah. 
And, yeah. Yeah. But I'm guilty of that. My version of that is more acceptable. We're really good at rationalizing, excusing, and dismissing our own sins mm-hmm. because of comparison. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's going on here is Jesus is saying, if you want to compare yourself to someone, that's fine. Compare yourself to me mm-hmm. and to my perfection. And the Pharisees over and over again would choose to compare themselves to the prostitutes and to the criminals and to the tax collectors. It's yeah. like, you want a comparison, put it on this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he says the same thing to us. It's like, you want to compare yourself to somebody... Do it to me, and every time you do, you will come so woefully short that you recognize that you too need grace in the gospel. Hmm. And that's where he wants to keep us in that place where we continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. I like differentiating between behavior and heart. We want to make sin about behavior. Well, I don't do that. I don't say that, but the heart is sinful. You know, like that's what Hmm. matters too. Jesus said it. and Well, and I wouldn't go, like I hear people say, there's not distinctions in the the badness of sins. Right. I don't think that's actually like ranking biblical. them. Yeah, I don't think that's actually biblical to say that there are not distinctions. I think we see some distinctions that say, man, this is bad and this is worse. But the the heart of that that is true is that all sin puts us in the same position where we're all humbled at the foot of the cross. Yes. And that's the heart of it that we're is true all that in we want to need of the same grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the same grace covers all of those things. Because I also think there's people who are in the position to think I've done too much wrong. I am so, I'm too ugly inside that that amount of grace can't possibly cover that. And that really is it. That's the thing. Maybe people are either on one end or the other where they think they've done too much wrong or people are on the other end where they think they've not done anything wrong. Yep. (sighs) Well, this was, I enjoyed this. Uh, thanks for listening. And, you know, let us know if you know what Mamby Pamby means <laughs> or if it's offensive. To- I'll tell you what Mamby Pamby does not mean. My ability in a foot race. <laughs> it's awesome. Possible. We'll be the judge of that. We'll go ahead and post that. Link in the description. I think I could beat you, I'm going to look Joseph. for the video. Huh? I think I could beat you I in a foot race. I don't that at all. Let's do it. Okay. Come on, hockey boy. Okay. I'd like to see this race. I'll video this one too, guys. <laughs> when it's not 105 degrees outside, maybe? I would guarantee you I'm faster. Let's try it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it today. I've got public speaking to do. <laughs> do we have show notes to post video? <laughs> we'll just do it on a Sunday, Randy. Okay. So if you listen to the podcast, come out right after the service. You know exactly what we're I'm talking about. I'm preaching this weekend, but next weekend. We'll do it after. All right. <laughs> So after the second service this weekend, <laughs> foot race on the front sidewalk. Is that where we want to do this? Somewhere. Somewhere. Let us know what you would like to see. Let us know before we actually do it. Who do you doubt? <laughs> <laughs> Notice I didn't throw myself in the running. <laughs> I am 10 years older. <laughs> That's it. Oh Well, thanks for listening. We have enjoyed this and we look forward to talking again next week.